Freedom to be different and still be trusted and respected. Stay close to your loved ones and strengthen those relationships. Choose where you want to live. Be free to think and do as you want. These are the values I live my life by. But a lot of the time, it seems like work and business tries to take these away from us. This series is a search for extraordinary people who have embodied these values in their careers and show us that the path less traveled is often the most rewarding. This is Embrace the Adventure. I'm your host, Nabil, and this episode, I'm joined by Matthew Woods, co-founder and CEO of AFK Creators, an international talent and influencer agency specializing in the esports and gaming industry. From the best player on Xbox Live in school, to a whirlwind of marketing startups, even being signed as a pro gamer to an international esports team along the way, before striking out for himself, it's clear that Matt has brought this passion and skill together and created a unique career for himself. So without further ado, let's get into the discussion and see what we can learn from Matthew's journey. Yeah, I used to be. I used to be. Um, I mean, that's really kind of how I got into, into everything. What I essentially did whilst I was doing my master's, I, well, I mean, you know how it is at university. There's, there's nothing actually to do there. So I ended up playing League of Legends every single day. Mm. Um, got pretty good at the game to a point where um, I thought, oh, well, I might as well. I always, I don't know if you've ever got like really good at any game, but <laughs> when, when I, I've always kind of said to myself, oh, I, I, like I would stream if I got to like this rank. Yeah. And I always said that to myself. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm bad. I'm bronze. I went, you can't stream. Silver, you can't stream. Gold, you can't mm. stream. Platinum, you can't stream. And then I got to diamond and I was like, all right, like when I get to a decent rank in diamond, I'll, I'll stream. And it, like yeah. in League of Legends, there's five tiers of diamond. So every time I got up on another mm. tier, I was like, oh, I'm diamond two now. I was like, oh, I'm still not good enough. I was diamond one and I was like, I'm still not good enough. And after that, you're like, you get in, back in the day, you got into like a fixed number of players above that rank. So it was like, there only is a thousand people now or something. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you in that? Were you in that? that yeah. Like, so I got into that. Oh my God, what? <laughs> I got into that tier and I was like, oh my God. Oh, I think I'm probably like decent now. I could, I could start making content and streaming. So you were like top thousand in the world. Like that? No, in 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 Europe, in Europe. Oh, in Europe. Oh, well, that's that's still pretty incredible. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's not. It wasn't that big deal. The reason why it's not <laughs> wasn't a big deal is because I play. <laughs> this is typical pinwood now. I played the uh, easiest champion. Yeah. And he was like really brand new, so like no one really like knew how he worked or, or anything. Oh, yeah. but I just poured my like eight hours a day into this one really like unknown uh, <laughs> unknown champion in the game. So that's why I was good. Yeah. Um, and so I made some content around it, and um, it wasn't really like I was trying to be a content creator. Like I had no interest in becoming famous or an in influencer, but um, there was no one else making content on that one right, champion. Okay. So, so, so because I because I used to play I used to play Teemo in jungle. Oh yeah, you got all the time. Teemo jungle. It was yeah. quite yeah, man. It was, it was I felt like it was quite like I, I I always play like the troll stuff. Like I do the troll games. Like like you know in modern warfare, I would be like the guy with the tactical knife, like running yeah, around with people. And then Teemo, <laughs> and I just remember like people hating like Teemo in jungle. And yeah. uh, but I, I wasn't very good by the way. I wasn't ranked or anything. And then the other one was like playing uh, Jinx on bottom. Is it Jinx? Yeah, the, yeah, the Jinx. girl, the girl with a gun. Yeah, she's a big rocket. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I mean, so, so what was your what was your? Hero? My one was called called Ivan. 
Yeah. Um, and he recently was made popular in the last year or two by a, a streamer called Tyler One. He's probably right, like, okay. the most famous League of Legends streamer in the last few years. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's kind of how I got into it. And it was like a pro and con. The pro was no one else made content on that character. Yeah. Uh, the con was there wasn't more than like 100 people in the world who actually had any interest in, right, okay. in it. Um, so yeah, I did that. <laughs> And through that, I made lots of friends who, you know, League of Legends YouTubers, pro players, uh, streamers. Actually, at one point, got picked up uh, by a UK esports organization. Is it? Um, and this is where it gets quite funny because I got signed to the UK esports organization as a pro player. Yeah. Without actually... Oh, one second. Hold on. One yeah, second. yeah, yeah. No rush, no rush. Oh, okay. I, got, I, was getting, I thought someone's at my door. Um, yes, yeah, so I got picked up as a as a pro player, but I was actually a substitute on the team. Um, but it, it was like really serious. Like every, as you can imagine, everyone was like a very serious pro player in League of Legends, mm-hmm. probably like playing in the top league in the UK. And at one point, like in the UK and Nordic, and it was just me, like had zero intention to ever play. Like I never played a game, and there was like there was no risk of me playing a game because at one point um, they they were three players short. And rather than picking um, myself to play, which was like, I was one of the, the three subs who could have fitted in, they actually mm. let the coach play instead of me, uh, which I found quite funny at the time. So, yeah, that's how I kind of got into the uh, the world of streaming, just through League of Legends. Oh, man, Otherwise, that's so cool. I my, my, my whole life on other video games like World of Warcraft and Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> right. What was, your, what was your name when you were pro? Yeah. Marios, which... It's M-A-T-T-H-E-O-S. It's basically cool. just an abridged... I think it's from Greek. It's my name in Greek, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. that's. I wasn't very creative with my name in the, in the end. <laughs> yeah, because I think... You know, dude, when I... Because, you know, I like I moved away and, you know, life, life gets in the way and stuff. And I lost touch with people. And then I remembered... Then I remembered you and I went to look you up. And I found your YouTube channel where you were street... Where you were, like, doing videos, like, of, of League of Legends. You were, you were making lessons, I think. On like how yeah, to play yeah, different time, characters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this is like pretty incredible. Like I was so impressed. And then it made it made sense to me. I was like, yeah, actually, like you were always like the best player. When you know we had that little group and we would we would play Modern Warfare after school and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Um, mate, you were just like unreal. And 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 you were just on a different level. I don't know how. And I, and obviously that translates across across different games. It wasn't just like a one off thing. You, I think you're just really good at games. So um, I, I think it was one of those things where. You know, everyone pours themselves into something. Yeah. Um, and like games was just one for me where I would just come home from school and instead of doing homework, like I would just stand in front of my TV for like six hours and there'd be like my footprints like in the carpet or, mm-hmm. um, or I put like <laughs> really? when I got to World of Warcraft, it'd be like, I should be going to bed because you're at school the next day and I'm like up to 1am like doing a raid with like 50 year old men or something stupid. Um, and it was just one of those things like some people play like football five hours a day and i i was just playing video games so mm. you know i guess if you like do put in enough time to something and repeat it just becomes uh second nature some of the things it's, it's, it's very similar to sport in the same way of like memory and reflexes and kind of knowing the strategies yeah did you did you or did you ever dream of like doing it for work or was it was it just like a thing you did for play yeah, yeah. So it's really funny. So I literally had zero intention to even get into the esports and gaming industry. Yeah. What happened is, um, I think a bit like yourself, like when I came out of university, or even when I was at university, I was always entrepreneurial. 
Um, but I fell into startups because I went into a grad scheme after my undergrad and right. quit within seven weeks. Um, okay. Simply because I just hated it. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I, like, I got introduced to startup world, um, went into like marketing and growth. And from then onwards, like, I just knew like I wanted to work in startups. It was fast paced. I could kind of drive change. Um, and how I fell into esports and gaming, I was actually doing a master's in anthropology. So it was nothing to do with um, gaming and I, I essentially just through making friends with content creators and streamers and influencers in the space, I saw that like there was just so many endemic problems and because it was so early, there was mm. no really fixing them in, in like in a good way. Like there was a lot of actors and, um, you know, I don't know how much you know about the industry, but definitely two or three years ago, like there's a lot of like shady things going on, like from match fixing wow, to... Really? Yeah, for max fixing to cheating to, um, you know, people just getting like, not robbed, but screwed over every opportunity, whether it's from like a contract or they're not being a contract. Um, just basics of like business that you pick up when you've, um, when you start working. And so, yeah, I just knew there was an opportunity for me to bring some sort of like professionalism and, and positivity to the space. And as my friends were, were the content creators i think that's the big difference right like in, in any traditional area when you look at like celebrity figures there's just like this unfathomable gap about like how that person got there um mm. like you know if someone's like a really famous actor or music star like often like they had like really um privileged education or like connections to get into the movie scene mm. um in gaming like you know, the typical gamer maybe didn't even like end up going or finishing school because they were just really good at games. Mm. Um, so the access to people was like really easy. So um, I just started out, out helping a few friends uh, on the side whilst I was still working in a startup. And it grew through like word of mouth to like helping loads of people, um, consulting some companies. And then, oh, wow, like, I actually have like an opportunity here to, to set up my own startup and and help as many people as possible. That's that's epic. Well, when you say helping, like, what do you mean? So was that like, was that like something like commercial, or was it like favors and like what kind of thing was it? Yeah, I mean, it it was kind of always like um, commercial from the beginning. So how I really kind of set that out is uh, first of all, I started working with content creators and streamers, and mm. to to understand really for them, there's a few different opportunities they're faced with. One is like brand partnerships and sponsorships. Uh, which for anyone who's got no like understanding of it is essentially, you know, you do this action to promote my brand product service um, and, you know, we'll compensate you accordingly. And for YouTubers, that's like, a, you know, a 30 to 60 second ad at some point in the video or a whole video yeah. dedicated to a product for a streamer that could be drinking a product on stream. It could be having logos up like you'd have in TV ads or something below the stream or um, yeah. a message popping up in chat. And so from having a background in marketing, like you understand kind of ad rates, what the value is of impressions and what the value is of watched hours. Um, so that's really how I help streamers, like understanding their own value, helping them understand it, and then negotiating with the brands and, and reviewing their contracts, obviously redlining anything that looked a bit suspicious. Um, wow, that's and then amazing. When it came, yeah, and then when it came to working with brands, it was really simple because um, and you can probably relate to this, Nabil, as like a, a techie, that there were just fantastic startups in the gaming and esports space, but, and they would have fantastic products, but because they were a startup, they maybe were like teams of three or teams of 10, 
and zero people were marketers. Mm. So you would just come across these great products. They ne- they just needed to get them out there, and like they were learning by doing. And the problem with that is like you make such big mistakes. And marketing is like the biggest expenditure, um, probably outside your software developer. So um, yeah. I could really come in with the expertise and be like, hey, you know, you can give me a whole marketing budget, or I can help you come in and plan how to spend your marketing budget. Um, and then if you need help executing it, like I know all the influencers in League of Legends to help you do so. Um, I see. So I started out really League of Legends was kind of like my foundation. Um, and then as that spread from a business opportunity, it was about, first of all, working across countries. So from day one, I had a very global mindset of, you know, I can connect with people in the US or Canada or Latin America, Spain, um, and help streamers in those different countries. I can help companies in these different countries. Um, market through League of Legends and then the secondary effect was oh I can move to different games I can move into Apex Legends, I can move into Fortnite Um, and you know the third thing was what other platforms are there so uh, it's kind of cooled off a bit but obviously when TikTok first came out that was like a new horizon that I could have potentially looked at moving into Um, so that's kind of was always my mindset like how do I move into different verticals whilst keeping the fundamental um, you know what we do um, the same and also kind of the values and the values are, are like I set out with was bringing trust transparency and um, really the mindset of not putting profit but putting you know individuals and relationships first um, and you know I like to think those are kind of three core pillars on which to build a business so um, yeah we're now like a team of for me, going in my bedroom, like I had like a one-bedroom flat I shared with an ex-girlfriend, and I used to work in the living room. Uh, from me going to that, like we're now a company of, of more than thirty people in, um, oof, like maybe seven or eight countries. Like everyone's pretty spread out. Oh, so so it's so it's quite remote. It's distributed. Yeah, yeah. We used to have an office pre-COVID times back in uh, in Chelsea, which was a a real hidden gem. Uh, it was like re- it was actually really affordable. Um, yeah. an old cheese factory uh but sadly, cheese factory what yeah <laughs> sadly so covid shut it down oh man but but mate that is like incredible i'm so happy for you though that's that's really cool i, I didn't actually know it was 30 i didn't realize it, it had grown so big that's that's really cool that you built that yeah we're in this we're pretty lucky so i mean like in our first year we, we got to six people and we were like and of which half the people were really part-time um and then last year i mean for many people covid closed their business for us um rather fortunately it was an accelerator because so much more um you know brands companies money moved into the digital space and when people are looking to experiment like twitch specifically um was a was a great experimental ground and youtube was kind of like a tried and trusted platform for influencer marketing so that really helped our business grow so we went from six to 30 people and then you know this year is probably our big year of trying to three to four X our, you know, our revenue goals and um, double the team. So hopefully by the end of the year, we might end up, you know, closer to 60 people. Um, and we've actually, in since the beginning of the year, kind of like restructured the company into three clear arms. So we have uh, AFK Creators, which um, has two separate arms. One is your marketing agency with a, an expertise in gaming, but we don't limit ourselves to gaming. So we work with all clients um, 
you know, whatever they may, may be, like one of our clients is, is Manscaped, another is Dermalogica's brand, Clearstart. And right. when they were looking to work with influencers, like we started working with them through gaming YouTubers and Twitch streamers. Um, but we have the resource kind of to do influencer sourcing and, and management and execution from any genre. So if someone says, oh, technology and history channels on YouTube work really well for us, uh, we have a team that will go out and source those um, individuals that meet the clients, you know, target demographics and audiences. Um, mm. Sounds really structured, man. Because because you know what's funny, Peter. At the beginning of this, you would the way you were talking about it all was it very it was it, it was very uh, reminiscent of an emerging industry, right? Like when I hear the things that early YouTubers were saying when YouTube first kicked off, you know, it was that same kind of like Wild West mentality. And then structure oh, got brought in. People start, you know, like there were a lot of just creative, passionate people, like not really doing things in a businessy way. And then people brought in that expertise and that structure. And that's exactly what you said with esports. But the way you're talking about it now, it's like, it seems like it's not really an emerging industry anymore. It's like a huge, like thriving, I don't know, like, a, like an economy, right? There's definitely the creator economy that's like quite developed. Um, it's still in flux. Like there's definitely like a a lack of security at least felt by individuals um uh i mean if if i if i go on like the other two sides of our business are a talent agency for influencers and a talent agency for, for pro players and this ta both talent agencies only focus on on gaming and esports but the reason why i mentioned that and talking about the security is and development of like an economy is one of the big things that is stable for creators in the gaming and esports space is esports teams themselves um and i don't think this really happens outside of this industry um and it's starting to become especially in the u.s like i don't know what your perception is i know you've lived you know in china for a bit but mm -hmm. in the uk like i still have a perception that gaming is kind of like a nerdy alternative like niche segment yeah. whereas in the u.s and i'm certain it's the same in china like it's lifestyle um yeah. it's so 100%. it's so integrated into the everyday um, and I think COVID will actually help transform the UK uh, from a perceptive point of view. But, uh, um, you know, like esports teams essentially offer individuals guaranteed monthly revenue for being part of the organization, making content for them and essentially representing their sponsorship brands, which yeah. in the past, um, they, teams really struggled because they would sign really, you know, big six, seven figure deals. Um, and pro players just didn't have time to do the to do the promotion of them. So like they, the deal was always kind of, you know, after a year or two, like dropped off. Right. Um, I mean, it's so obvious if you think about it, because if you think of any, like a football team, how many people like do sponsorship of the players, do sponsorships for the club sponsors. Like it's very rare. Like, mm. you know, there's one or two things happen in a year. Um, so that's a really big way that like the creator economy has, has benefited from like the esports side of, of gaming. Yeah. Um, and we help people, you know, join teams, negotiate their contracts, their sponsorship categories, their obligations. Um, and then the second real staple, other than brands, is normally like games. So actually, you know, mobile game and PC game is, is a huge and it's a you know huge market. So a lot of it is, you know, getting these YouTubers and streamers to promote like new releases or existing games that are having new patches. Um, so whether they so, so how does how does that work for mobile games? Because 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 I know PC games. Okay, I've I've watched a lot of streaming and you know like I've tried it out before and stuff and like you you know you've got the computer and you can run all your like you know OBS on it and stuff. But what about mobiles? Like how do how do people 
like stream that stuff? How do they do influencer marketing on that? Yeah, so um, there's two ways, right? There's there's the the first thing, which um, is can you do it through your phone? And you can now stream, you know, from your mobile directly. Um, you can either stream from your mobile directly. Obviously, the quality is not amazing. Um, or you can essentially get an adapter to your PC. So you plug your mobile into your PC and you stream from there. Um, mm, right, that's yeah. one way. Um, you know, it's not really very, um, you know, not everyone's very proficient on that. So it's not that widespread people doing this at the moment. So often, um, you know, people will try to use emulators um, to, to okay. stream mobile games. That is a... That's also a bit like case by case dependent because it depends how good the mobile game um, is to play on an emulator. And of, often it's just like a disastrous experience. I actually have one funny story of like one of our creators trying to stream a mobile game and he hadn't tested it before, uh, which is bad practice in itself. But, um, <laughs> okay. you know, he's on PC trying to play a game and like the mouse just didn't work. So, you know, like normally he would like click the buttons, but he couldn't. So it was very... Uh, very weird, weird controlling. It's just disastrous at the game, but it was kind. Of, it made for a funny, entertaining stream in the end. Um, the other way, which is kind of more of the norm, is that like more, more increasingly, like mobile games are just making PC versions because it has such a better streaming experience. Um, probably the best example of this, which everybody in the world should know by now, is the Raid Shadow Legends. Oh um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That, that, is, that is the best example Raid. of. Uh, <laughs> Of a of a game that kind of took over <laughs> YouTube and and then took over Twitch through 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 streaming, yeah. Um, and they very quickly you know brought out the PC version, um, and mm. a part of that I think was for streamers more than anything. Mm. So the, so I think I think these days even the game developers see see the importance of like streaming and stuff as a marketing tool, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was like I was working with. Um, a top 10 mobile game studio recently who was, who was trying to bring out uh, well in fact they've launched it now so I don't think I need to be so confidential they launched a kind of like um, improved version of, of Among Us um, in their eyes and that was right. that was a that was intended always to be a mobile game and as soon as we started working with them um, we brought in one of the Among Us creators we represent he's probably you know known as the best Among Us player in the world a guy called Five Up um, mm. And it's just so obvious, like when they start playing the game and they start talking with the developer, like this game's coming out in BC, right? Like, because no one's going to stream it on mobile. Um, and it's just kind of a prerequisite as like influencer marketing for a lot of these developers is just like, you can't avoid it. Like it has to be probably like your number one marketing spend. Um, they understand like they have to bring out PC versions for the game. And if they don't, then it's always going to be like limited in, um, is it? the big game and i think over over covid over lockdown there's been a few cultural phenomenon games that touch like the whole of society so if you think of fortnite as an example over covid yeah. you had uh fall guys that i'm sure you're probably familiar with um yeah. and then you had among us and both of these last two games like they just went viral um in terms of like all, all aspects of culture and i think to do that, you really need something that is cross-platform as well. That you need to be on PC, you need to be on mobile, you need to be a console, so that everyone who's digesting content um, through channels like Twitch and YouTube can actually then go on and play the game um, without any restrictions. Yeah, I mean, I think Among Us is a really good example because the way I found out about that was almost 99.9% .9 through like YouTubers 
just recording themselves playing it right and those crazy moments and trying to guess like you know which one of their friends it was and stuff um yeah it, it was like almost completely word of mouth and I, I can only think of a handful of other games which have been like that i think minecraft was a lot like that or at least in, you know well we found out about minecraft like a decade ago but in recent years i think a lot of minecraft's popularity has been fueled just by streamers right Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing, these games, like they're so low barrier to entry, you don't have to be like super skilled to enjoy or play them. Um, which means that like singers will play them or, you know, any like yeah. anyone can pick up the game. And I think that's what's like kind of a prerequisite necessary for um, a game crossing boundaries. And I think there's been more and more games um, and as mobile technology like uh, continues to advance, like everyone is now whether they know it or not in some way shape shape or form uh, a consumer to the gaming market so i think if you look back like 10 years ago when we first started talking we're talking about when we used to play after school we used to play on an xbox right and if you had a Mm. playstation you can play with us because we were on xbox um so the amount of people that we could play with from school would be not even 50 percent because maybe a a percentage of the people wouldn't play video games and then of that percentage, like PlayStation was more popular than Xbox. So you're like a 30% yeah. of the whole um, population. You look at today, like your mum is a, is a gamer because she probably has downloaded it on her game. Um, yeah. You know, Flappy Bird. Yeah, I love that. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so everyone's, yeah, so everyone's exposed changed. to the gaming market. And so when you get games that are like Fall Guys or Among Us that don't necessarily have any barrier to entry can be fun for everyone have that has that appeal for everyone um and especially those games like there's no kind of like uh social bias as well like the idea that you know shooter games might be for boys and cooking games might be for girls like that just gets completely removed that that kind of like bullshit and you just get into this place where like everyone can enjoy and play together and there's no like toxicity at all yeah Mate I, I, mate, I love your expertise. That, that was an amazing analysis, I think. And um, yeah, I, you, you know, it's kind of cool. Well, mate, I, mate, honestly, like it's, you, you know, what just blows my mind is that we're able to like talk about gaming like a business, like, because, because I really, it's gone, it's almost gone so much further than I ever imagined. It just makes me so happy as well. Cause, cause throughout my life, I've had so much like fun and joy from gaming. And um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Especially in the pandemic. I mean, look, to give you some context, like I, because I was so busy with startups and things and, you know, I started a family and stuff, gaming kind of dropped off my radar a little bit. And when I was maybe after 2014, it kind of dried up the amount of time I had to play them. But actually the pandemic was the catalyst for me, like getting an external GPU and getting back into like PC gaming and, you know, like revisiting all those old titles and catching up on like five or six years worth of like amazing games. Right. And I, and I think like that's happened all over the world, dude. Right. Cause anywhere the lockdowns affected people, suddenly they've been putting their entertainment time into games instead um when, when lockdown lifts just just randomly questioned what do, do you think do you think like the current level of gaming activity will, will like be sustained or do you think people will go back to their old habits uh you know i think there's i think there's really like a a hunger to like go outside and to like not even to just go back to their old, people's old habits but i think there's a big desire to do things like in the flesh for a little bit yeah. Um, rather than the virtual. However, I think really what is what is big, at least in my eyes, I mean, there's there's a couple of other things that I view in the same light of gaming. I think uh, another one is like 
you know, kind of the explosion of crypto over the last four months is like these people are now all exposed to gaming and yeah. you yourself, like you revisited it and you've rekindled your love. I mean, really a lot of gaming goes back to childhood. And so there's this like nostalgia about it. Like Pokemon is another phenomenon that's like exploded again. Um, yeah. And I think gaming is going to sit there and, you know, like you're not going to go and sell your, your Xbox or your PlayStation or your P- gaming PC you just invested money into. Um, will you play it every day? Depends on like how much you're into games at a moment. Um, but I think people are going to be predisposed again to, oh, wow, like this exciting title is coming out or that virality of like, oh, everyone's playing this game on YouTube. I'm going to try it and I'm going to download it to mm. play it. Um, and I think that's often helped especially on PC by how many great games are free to play at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, we spoke about among us, uh, full guys on consoles, free to play league of legends, free to play. Like these games are free to play. So they get you in, um, and they get you to, to play the game and taste it. And then, you know, microtransactions yeah. might kill you later, but for the mm. most part, like you're, you're going to get into something, you're going to get hooked. So I think there'll well, be a drop off, but I think there's a bigger market now. Yeah, I mean, look, there's something I'm really interested to ask you about there, which is like how how like the the way of earning money from your games has changed, right? Because microtransactions is a much bigger thing than it used to be, and I think I think you're right. I think free to play has brought in loads more people, and I, you know, I think even Modern Warfare is free now, right? Which is which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but what do you think that's going to do to like the traditional like AAA games? Because I, you know, I can think of one example recently, which was I think it was the Avengers game, which. Um, it, I think it it had it had quite a lot of microtransactions in it, and it kind of prioritized like revenue over like gameplay hooks. And that's like that's like a AAA game that in like previous years would have probably just been sold as like a standalone thing, right? With like maybe like a season pass or something like that. And whereas now it's like every every single part of it is monetized. Do you think do you think that's going to change like the nature of the games that we that we play in the long term? Like, like is is one going to dry up and another one going to take over, or is there like a balance? Well, I, like personally, um, myself, and I think it's probably a lot of people can relate to this, but I love free-to-play games. I don't yeah. like pay-to-win games, but if you can get free-to-play games where you have like in-game purchases for like cosmetics or like season passes, right, where you don't need to buy the season pass to play, but if you buy the season pass, you unlock all these cool, cool extras. Um, I think that's the way to go. Like you end up being able to make far more money because what people hate is people hate when you have to pay for a game and then pay extra for like the DLCs and stuff like this. Like I, I feel that has a worse taste in your mouth uh, where you need to like pay to unlock something that is like basically right. double double dipping game. Right? Yeah, I feel like it's double dipping, and I think you know you can make far more money by really making a great game that everybody can enjoy bringing in like cosmetic extras and then doing really cool partnerships. So like, I think this is what excites me is, um, and I don't know how exposed you are in the build to this, but gaming, fashion, music, lifestyle, like everything is intertwined now um, or has yeah. been over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, you can point to Travis Scott and Fortnite, Louis Vuitton yeah. and in yeah. legends. Like there's so many of these things happening where that's what's exciting. I mean, like I, I was speaking with a developer recently who who is looking to you know take their game to the next level that's been out a while and you know like they were just bored or not bored like they're fed up with doing the same thing and playing safe with their marketing 
they want mm. to do like a collaboration with a music artist. They want to do a collaboration with a, like a fashion brand. And whether it works or not, like they've done it and that's so cool. That's kind of like what they want to be able to to say and do. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's really, really like going to be the trend setting because that allows you those collaborations are another revenue stream for these AAA game developers. Um, and yeah. then you have other spin-offs, right? Like you can have merchandise. Like how many Fortnite toys were sold at Christmas? I have no idea. Oh, I'm dude, sure like, yeah, million. and for, Fortnite clothing, man. I see, whenever I go to like Tesco even, like it's like Fortnite tracksuits and there's, they must make so much money in the, in, in, the, in the apparel area. It's amazing. Exactly. So you never need to sell the game, do you? When you can make yeah. the game a phenomenon. It's like, it's almost yeah. like, a, like, it's bigger than a movie. Because you only go and see the movie once, right? You only go and watch Transformers yeah, once. Of course, it's like different. if you play Transformers every day, that's crazy. Yeah, well, well. So you know, you know, mate. Especially about Fortnite, I've thought about this before, and I've, I have wondered where does it like? Is it even a game? Because because Fortnite now, especially the things we're talking about with like, you know, like music concerts, like Travis Scott, Dead Mouse, Dead Mouse, like literally did a concert inside Fortnite for people. What no one was there to play games; they were just there to like watch him play right um I, I do wonder like if if this is actually for like a new generation of people like maybe people younger than us who are who've grown up surrounded by these high-tech games you know you know whereas we when we were in our teens it kind of really blew up and you know the, the xbox and the ps3 and stuff really like you know brought us all online there's this new generation which have which they've had that for their whole lives right and i do wonder if fortnite really is more than a game and it's, it's going to turn into more like a kind of social platform in, oh, in, the same, in the same way that we've had Facebook and, and things like MySpace going back, people today are just hanging out all the time on Fortnite. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think that's, that happened. So that phase that you're talking about, like, I think that's already happened. I think the interesting thing, honestly, is if it continues because... Yeah, um, I feel like it will, personally. I don't know what you think. Yeah, my, my personal opinion is that Fortnite, I mean, pardon the meme, but it's a bit of a dead game. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people have moved on from Fortnite. Now, I think I can't speak for, you know, the Zuma 7 to 15-year-old kids that, like, are way too fast for me. Um, <laughs> but, like, I think the current Hangout is Discord. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of have to be a gamer to know about it. But, like, Discord is, like, for me, like, Facebook on speed or crack. Like, it's just, like non-stop you can be in so many different conversations you can be yeah. in voice channels you can watch streams you, you know people are like streaming anime or movies together um so the great thing about that is you can then join communities whereas like on Fortnite, you know like Fortnite for me like people it's a, it's more than a social platform because of what you said about music concerts and like crossovers with like movies and, and movie teasers <laughs> But at the end of the day, like, I think those collaboration opportunities, they have like, um, they'll keep going on, even yeah. if the game's in decline, because people see the opportunity, someone's done it and they want to copy it. Right. But right now we're kind of in a, in this like calm period before like whatever is the next Fortnite hasn't quite been discovered. I think the revival of uh, um, Apex Legends, which has happened over the last few months, um, really excited me. But the yeah. problem is that's I mean, I won't go into the, the technicals, but there's loads of problems with that game itself, which means people leave it very often. Um, at the moment, though, like, I don't see any difference between, you know, 10 years ago, you, me, and, you know, some friends from school sitting on Gears of War or Call of Duty yeah. and just chatting. 
than yeah. Fortnite. There's no difference. So the only difference was the ability to do these shows. Um, and I think when you break it down by that, then there's no reason why like the next Warzone or the next, um, you know, whatever the game be, couldn't, couldn't like copy the same the same success as Fortnite. I think the big thing about Fortnite, which it's what really made it such a hit, was they weren't protective of their IP. Mm. They were embracing any opportunity to work with other IPs, uh, which is something unique, right? Normally, like, people just want to copyright their IP and lock it down. Um, yeah. And they just said, right, like, you know, here's a film, here's a TV series, here's whatever, let's do a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it depends, like, you know, if you look at something like Cyberpunk, right? Um, you know, huge success of, of a marketing campaign, failure of a game. Um, mm. What did they get right? They got Keanu Reeves involved. Uh, and it just, it, it, it's probably the most hype of any game. And, and it, that also had the potential of being like a cultural phenomenon. I think they just uh, failed the execution of the game itself. Yeah. I got another question for you about, um, it's about Ninja. It's about Ninja. Okay. So my good friend. So I was, <laughs> I was thinking about, I was thinking about like Ninja kind of like, you know, going out into the mainstream. And there, I feel like there was this kind of moment where I, I'm not, I'm not really sure if it panned out or not, but I feel like there was a moment when Ninja was trying to kind of like go out of the gaming bubble and kind of become more like mainstream uh, mm. celebrity. And I was trying to think of examples where that's happened like over the years. And I can only really think of like a very, very small amount of people and none of them really made it apart from maybe like PewDiePie and, you know, KSI. Right. Um, yeah. And I was, I was, I was wondering, I was trying to think ahead to like five or 10 years in the future, the pe you know, the people that we are like following in like mainstream media and, you know, keeping up with what they're doing and stuff. I mean, right today, there's not really that many gamers inside that, that circle. Right. And I was, I was wondering if you, if you had any thoughts on like whether, um gaming personalities are going to like leak out more into like the public consciousness or not and if you if, maybe if you see that happening already or not yeah the reason why i can see it happening more is because of um it's, it's the crossover right so i think like pewdiepie was just like really kind of like a a different phenomenon but like something like ninja um like that can be repeated i, like, I think ninja did it with a lot of success and then it and then it all fell off. Like I'm certain he's going to be in like Hollywood movies and and still be doing cool things. But um, you know, Ninja as well. Like he's a very competitive gamer, yeah. which I think somewhat has like pulled him back into the game um, rather than transcending it. And I think one of the big things as well, um, and this is and this is why what will allow it to happen more and more. But also is one of those things that kind of like um, silo people is there's this attraction like when someone's really good at a game and someone's really good at football um and people have shared interests that they'll collaborate right so yeah the same way Deli Ali let's say is like a star in football Ninja could be the star in Fortnite and mm. they will want to play together if given the opportunity and that will happen naturally like no one will have to be paid to do it there's a great example of um like a footballer and uh, a basketball player who met up to do some collaboration for a brand and like the yeah. brand paid nothing and got like, you know, million dollars values out of those two meeting, just playing together. Yeah. Um, but so I think more and more this will happen and more and more the interests of people are, are well known through like social media and stuff. 
the I'm thinking back to like the World Cup where Harry Kane and Deli Ali were playing Fortnite every day and like it was the peak of Fortnite. Um and then when they came back from the World Cup they started streaming Fortnite for a little bit. Yeah. Um so if there was a big at the time like Benji Fisher, like a big UK Fortnite celebrity, he wasn't just focused on the competitive side as he was at the time. He could have gone and done like duos with them, right? And that would be like that crossover happening. Maybe he gets to go out to the World Cup. Maybe he gets like in photos. Like I, that's how I feel like naturally stuff like this progresses. Yeah. Um, but when someone's such a competitive gamer, like they're always going to go back to the gaming. I think if you look at someone like KSI, the difference is he wasn't ever really a streamer. He mm. was a YouTuber. And yeah, therefore like... The difference is like streaming is an eight hour day job. Like some people I like I represent like stream twelve hours a day or something stupid. Um YouTubers like they have to come up with a video idea, they have to make a script, they have to edit, but like over time, very quickly, they hire people to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um and they might actually only game for like a few hours a day and then they get their footage for like a week or something. Um yeah. so YouTubers have a lot more time to like pursue other interesting opportunities if they have the team around them and i think that is probably you know a great example of ksi like he loved fifa and then loved football and had like loads of other interests that he his profile got big enough that he could basically do whatever collaboration he wanted and eventually yeah. got into the mainstream of like everybody knows who ksi is now because he does all these things yeah. um yeah. so tldr like, i think yeah more and more are going to happen and a lot of it is just because that natural progression of time where you know kids in the future have grown up with gaming so gaming is higher on their list behind like how they view a footballer is how they view ninja yeah um, so i think i think it's just quite kind of natural like who those people will be and where they come from will be quite interesting like, i thought it was quite interesting i don't know about you and i don't know too much about it was when tiktok blew up there became loads of tiktok like famous influencers and tiktok houses mm. um which still exist like are those? I think they have the same celebrity status for in some in certain people's eyes as like movie stars. So well, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's 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 for sure. I, I suppose that's just it's, if you're in that bubble or not, right? Like changes changes your perspective yeah, yeah, a lot. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For so, sure. so going so going back to what you said, I, mate, I thought that was so insightful. What you said about um, KSI being more like an entertainer rather than a streamer, and the gaming is just one small part of the time spent. On his like operations so he's able to branch out and do all these other things and build his brand i mean do you think that's something that streamers find difficult to balance the fact that they do have to sink so much time into the gaming itself oh yeah absolutely i can i can tell you as well for ourselves like we represent streamers and uh and and youtubers and like you know that we have to put a lot more time and resources into representing streamers because they just they need it um and they have a lot more more different needs so i think like you know, as time develops, like it, it will really be interesting to just see how how the streaming going because I think gaming was ahead of the curve. Where mm. like Twitch, Twitch is such like a, a a beast because all gamers got into streaming. Whereas you know, like if you like cooking, right, you just watch cooking on your TV. You you never mm. watch cooking streamers. Well, now you sat down in lockdown and you played some games and you exposed to Twitch that you can now watch cooking streamers as well and i think oh stuff yeah like dude that. i think that's gonna live. be so much bigger i think it's it's that's we're only scratching the surface of how big that's gonna be yeah and, and it's everything right like i think stuff existed like facebook uh streaming ig streaming like all of these platforms had streaming but i don't think streaming 
was big outside of gaming yeah. um, because no one was sat at home um, or like people just got really into like YouTube and that was it. And I think mm. there's been a such a high demand for content over lockdown that now people are more exposed to like these channels in general. A lot of people have been attracted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact of the matter is that Twitch being powered by Amazon meant that they could pretty much drive whatever content they wanted to the platform um, and people had to, you know, consume it there. So, yeah, I think there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be so many continued opportunities. Going back to what you're saying, I can't remember the exact question, but it was it was to do with, like, what the future of streaming is versus, like, entertainers, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess kind of, yeah. Kind of a lot of entertainers. Yeah. Yeah, like the. I was going to say, I, I see the, a lot of entertainers now coming to the platform and streaming mm. a little bit. Um, so you know, there's a guy called um, Connor Ball from The Vamp, um, and he's like a famous singer, and yeah. he probably spends more time streaming than he does in the studio singing. Like just from how often I see him stream. So I think yeah. for a lot of like celebrities and and influential people, whatever the interest they take and whatever the platform they choose. Uh, live streaming is just like the easiest thing for them to do because I mean maybe they have to put some makeup on to look good but at the end of the day like they can just go live and they don't need to prepare anything and they can just like chill with their friends and their fans so yeah I, yeah. Mean, I love so, I love streaming like that vamps guy so actually one of the my favorite people to watch uh, streaming throughout lockdown has been Mike Shinoda you know that you know okay. the guy from Lincoln Park yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's, he's gone on he's been on YouTube just streaming every day and making like a song a day and just sharing the whole process with everybody who's watching um i think just one example out of like thousands right that kicked off mm -hmm. during lockdown oh i remember the guy uh what's his name uh um for coldplay i don't know if he still does it but at like the uh um, chris martin yeah at the beginning he was doing a lot of um he was doing a lot of uh streaming on youtube and like you know doing covers of songs and, and stuff like this and that was pretty cool to see yeah, that's cool. You know, you, you know what's funny, dude. I'm thinking back to when I was in China because I, I spent I spent a couple of years there, 2015 to 2016, and which which is like five years ago now. And streaming in terms of like a lifestyle thing, like not just gaming but everything, was so prevalent there. Like I had friends who would instead of like putting on the TV or watching, like oh, I'd probably be watching YouTube on my laptop, but in China instead of putting on a TV or anything, they would just have like this website Billy Billy open. On, yeah, their, Billy, on Billy. their computer Billy Billy I, I don't know if this is still the biggest thing in China like people living in China right now are probably going to think like I'm, I'm totally out of touch but at the time it was the biggest thing and there'd be just literally be people there just like eating dinner and hanging out with their fans right and just talking over Billy Billy yeah yeah just be like having noodles and stuff and like just or like or, or working out they'd, they'd like be in the gym just like have the phone on just like streaming whatever they're doing and yeah I think it's really cool I think it's I, it's become so easy to create content and it's amazing how you can reduce the production value of content and it's still valuable to people, but like people still find it interesting. Right. Like I before, think, I think, I think, before, I think before you had to have a whole production production studio to like create something interesting, but that's yeah, completely that's changed the online. It's the advancement of the technology to record it. Right. And consume it. But it's also, there's a, there's something. And I mean, the people used to say this and like, I, I don't think you could ever get it as like a normal person, but like, you know, there's something about like live television that used to be a phrase. Yeah. Um, like, well, there's that like times infinite for live <laughs> streaming because everyone yeah. can be a live streamer and consume live streaming content anytime yeah. they want. And yeah. the and the big phrase in gaming is like 
and you see this in like any like Twitch or YouTube chat will be like, I was there or I was here. Um, because like you're there when those moments happen that are unforgettable. So like mm. if you watch, you know, your favorite FPS streamer do a 360 no scope or you were there when like, you know, Baker did like a Pentakill or something, League of Legends, um, that clip will like be there for history and be the most famous clip. But like you were in the chat. It's like almost being like in the stadium when Ronaldo scores like a free kick from 40 yards. Yeah. Um, you'll remember it forever. And like that was a special moment. I was there and I shared it with them. And one of the things that I, I said to someone recently when I was trying to break down like the difference, I guess, between like live streaming and, you know, traditional sporting events was the accessibility like you are there throughout the person's career like if you if, if you start streaming tomorrow in a bill and i start watching you i'm there from day one until like your god tier like ninja level yeah um and i've been with you the entire way and i've supported you through my subscriptions or my donations whereas like if you take your favorite footballer even if you feel like you've followed him since the start of his, his career you've literally probably followed him from about like 18 to 28 yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's it. And then their career might be over, right? And then you probably like lose interest because there's a new footballer that you watch because you, you follow football only. Um, and I think that's what's really like kind of fascinating about gaming is like nobody knows the the lifespan of like individuals. And certainly like people go in and out of popularity. Like Ninja went from being like 100,000 viewers a stream to being like 10,000 viewers or something at the moment. Um, and that's very normal. Whereas like in football when that happens like they just die their careers unless they can get like a punditry job or something yeah like there's definitely just streaming, an arc, right yeah yeah in yeah. streaming like there's there's never going to you're never going to go back to zero unless you've like really done something where you got to get kicked out of the whole space because it's so bad um you're always going to have your community and there's always going to yeah. be people who like watch you when you go live yeah that's that's really nice actually if you think about it it's nice how close that kind of relationship is between like a creator and the fans yeah, for you can't you can't really get get that in other places. Yeah, and, and that's why why brands love it because the engagement is so much higher. Like, oh yeah, if you promote like the salon for example, right? Um, and it's an ad. Someone will click through the ad and they'll come and they'll never come back, right? Like, they'll come. How long they stay on the page depends how interest they are. Yeah, and that's it. Whereas, like, if you come through an ad and you and we the way we do marketing on Twitch, like, you can do kind of a sponsor stream or thirty day. Mm. Um, route they're the two most popular ways of integration like you're having one a really strong endorsement from the the streamer like any influencer but two like there is kind of repeated visual uh, reminders and, and verbal record like mentions from the streamer that means that like even if someone at the first time like isn't sure like they're repeatedly reminded to go out check it out and what you see is you see like a real um, community engagement coupled with like the excitement of a brand supporting their favorite creator mm. that means that there's like hyper engagement and people you know repeatedly come back to the site that they they're promoting like they'll stay longer they're really considered to like give it a try i can say myself that i was convinced to try hello fresh by one of our creators promoting hello fresh um so yeah i mean that's that's a pretty exciting thing about the, like the the engagement and community level on on the platforms of live streaming yeah that's cool a lot a lot of wisdom there um, so oh, wait, so, so so I've got probably probably my the last question I've got on the top of my head. Um, so before I ask it, I just want to check. So am I right in thinking? So at AFK, a big part of the promotions that you do are through streaming. 
Yeah, it's a big part. I would say it's something like, it, so funny enough, when we started out, like YouTube was like the main beast, um, partly because like it's very easy to scale on YouTube. That's why back in the day, like MTNs grew so massive because you could basically sign hundreds of YouTube channels and you didn't really have to do anything to manage them. Um, today, especially over the last year with, with the craziness of, of marketing and, and wanting to test Twitch, I would say it's now something like 60-40. We do more Twitch than we do YouTube. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's kind of what I was, I was assuming, but it's really good to, to know that for sure. I mean, so, so do you like, I guess there's two ways for AFK to go, right? Like to grow. What one is to like, stay, like stay in gaming and the verticals that you talked about at the beginning was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like other places where gamers go, like other, you know, like discord and places like that. Right. Like com- completely yeah. different from streaming. But I guess the other way is like whatever your primary channels are, other other types of creators coming to those places like you talked about people from outside gaming starting to stream and you know there's kind of like different different types of channels on twitch and stuff i mean you could you could also be enabling those people right because you're because you're experts in like the, the best type of promotion to go out on like a twitch stream and i don't know like which which one which one do you feel is like the one that's that's the passion for you which one are you more interested in following or is it, or is it both yeah i mean i think the hardest thing about um at least for me, right? As and I mean, I guess you can appreciate this being a founder before. Like the hardest thing is when there's so many endless opportunities. Mm. Um, I've already like you know tried to put my hand in too many kind of like cakes per se, and you know pulled it back and be like, oh okay, these are like the three I want to focus on right now. Yeah. Um, so definitely, like there is so many different opportunities. What I find exciting is um right now just like gaming itself i guess is is my passion like when you talk to and this is what's important for me like when you talk to the content creator and you like fully like share the same passion it's so good because like it means that like any time like you can have a a chat as if you were with a friend rather than just like everything being pure business so you can easily relate with them like in in my position um that being said i think what when we started to work with people who do like um anime content and we started to do uh work with people who do cooking and like passion recognizes passion in that way um so you know like definitely on the platforms we're on at the moment youtube and twitch you know we're very confident like we can represent anyone's in the same way the difference is really like you know what what resources and what brands and partnerships we can bring them um and in certain niches like it's certainly harder than others if you have those connections and relationships so if you take music like we can definitely bring like a music artist stream deals with microphones and like soundproofing and loads of different things but when it comes to can we get them a deal with sony records like i mean we've done one marketing thing with sony in the past that's it <laughs> yeah, right like i don't have i don't have a great relationship with uh kanye or anyone so like there, yeah. there are certain limitations where you know, where it's really interesting for us is to see where we go. Like, and, and it's, it's funny, right? Like I've had, um, TV celebrities in the UK who over lockdown wanted to get into streaming and asked if we could help them. Um, so there are just so many verticals. I think right now for us, like we're not really looking too much at other platforms. Um, we're kind of specialized on, on Twitch and YouTube. We could be looking more at like Instagram, TikTok, um twitter is interestingly monetizing itself uh this mm. year so that'll be yeah. like you know cool to see how that goes 
clubhouse of what we're on right now like what what will happen here like is that just like a fad is it over is it is it going to grow into some goliath social platform um so i don't actually know the real like to be honest like are we going to go to different <laughs> platforms are we going to pick up different creators like certainly i can say that like we're going to pick up people from all different categories um and yeah i think those are probably the two main things the other vertical for us actually is um like the global diversity um, mindset that we have. Like right now we have Spanish, French, German, English, um, and Brazilian, uh, Brazilian, sorry, Portuguese kind of covered. Um, I would love to work more closely in like Korean market where we have some creators, Japanese market, other European countries. Um, So that could be something where we grow um, as a business. It's, It's very interesting. I mean, Specifically in the gaming agency space, it's very much a um, an arms race at the moment, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I feel that. So one thing that's very interesting is esports teams, which are struggling financially uh, with, with lands being closed, they're um, really like dependent on content creators and influencers to fund their brand partnerships and in doing so they realize that's where all the money is and therefore a lot of esports teams now own talent agencies which for me represents a conflict of interest but Mm. you know they're still successful because they are who they are and 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 it's lucrative so there's a lot of competition at the moment there's a lot of um you know traditional celebrity agencies like uta out in hollywood and there's some in London too that are now like getting into the gaming and esports, like picking up uh, different talent and acquiring different agencies. So it's all pretty, uh, pretty exciting over here. Like where, where we go from here, um, you know, our goal is to kind of be a leader in the space. We still think that despite there being some like huge successes over the last few years that we can really, um, you know, be, be among the leading agencies um, in the world. And I think that's important for us. Like, I don't see there being anyone really who's like as strong globally as ourselves. And like, that's kind of like where I want to keep pushing. Like, how do we grow a business to, you know, continue growing that gap between ourselves um, and others in all these different markets simultaneously, which is definitely a challenge. I mean, we haven't spoken about today, but like everything we've done is self-driven revenue generation that we've had zero funding and there's no investors. So, you know, that presents its own unique challenges. Like we can't just go and hire like 10 people. We need to account for profitability. We need to account for like measured growth. Um, so, you know, we're somewhat, you know, trying to compete with people who have like hundreds of millions of investment um, while our, our, our hands are tied a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, startup, right? You got to disrupt the space and uh, take on every fight. Yeah, cool. Cool. Very, very good response, man. Very good. Mate, you're so, mate I, I, I love how much knowledge you've got about the gaming industry. And and, and actually just like marketing, like, marketing and media. Space, right? Yeah, yeah. I like I, I think I think there's a lot I think there's a lot that people should know about it. You know, I feel like it's really important and like it's people a lot of people are still sleeping on it. But it's like it's just great that you know so much about it. Uh, I think it's one of these spaces, right, where everyone has like a somewhat going back to like what you were saying right how you like uh not got disenchanted with game but like you just it, it got dropped whilst you pursued like startups and career and family yeah. like it's something inevitably i feel like everybody will pick up at some point in their life like when they have kids again um yeah. 
Um, and especially like over lockdown, I think that's like, you know, sped that up. But I think it's something that everyone has an underlying interest in just because like it is media as much as like film is or, or music. Like it's that crossover of entertainment that everyone like wants to consume or has a hunger to consume content. So, you know, I think I think people are sleeping on it. But I think when people start listening, they get really into it. Um so yeah, I'm I'm interested. I think one of the questions you asked earlier is like, you know, post COVID, is is it things just going to cool off or what's going to? I think that's like the big question, really. Um, yeah. I don't think it's ever going to stop growing, but at the same time, um, this is one of the one of many reasons why I work with brands as well. Is like, um, I think certain brands would have got burnt over the last year in gaming. Um, you know, there's a lot of like easy mistakes that people make in gaming and esports as a brand, and I really hope that some of these, like some of this money that comes in from the brands, um, doesn't disappear for like three or four years. But um, you know, they come back again next year with their budgets and um, help grow the space because, like, that's really important. Yeah. Well, what's it what's it like on like in terms of like pure business? What's it like like managing those relationships and trying to like predict predict that revenue and stuff? Um, I mean, it's uh, it brings unique challenges. I think, like, ultimately for me uh there's two things and then this is where it's like a little bit um not tricky but it's like it's it's a bit harder right because you've got to balance and you know owning a, owning a company and and putting yourself in the shoes is the most important thing like mm. you've got to understand that there's two elements right there's the element of oh we can do something really creative we can do something cool like i love gaming i didn't understand it before and now i do like this is a really cool experimental channel like that's that's kind of like a typical sentence we might hear from one of our clients that have never worked in gaming before yeah um well the bottom line is always like performance right and, and profitability so um that's something i'm really cognizant of and so for me the strategy that we employ for the most part or at least how we've grown our business is not by always going after like the two million dollar rfps that um you know we're now very fortunate in a position where, like we're starting to get like these big rfps come in like directly to us um but it's always been like how do we find brands um you know exciting companies that like we are also passionate about um startups that we can support bring them into the space show them success and help grow our businesses together um so you know like i'm very cognizant of like if we work with a brand today and they're only able to spend a budget of twenty thousand dollars this month that their decision to spend $20,000 or more or less next month depends on how it went this month. Mm. Um, and so whether you're like, you know, pushing the boundaries or setting expectations um, at the start, like, or at the end, like it's really important that you kind of like see it. And I don't like really like these cliches, but like seeing it as kind of like a journey together, if they are renting the space, like the worst thing is when you like, you see these like burner deals and, you know, they, they happen quite often, but mm. like you work with someone for, you know, one time and it's like, all right, well, we got our $10,000 for them. Like, let's not care. Right. Like there should be always, at least in my opinion, in business, like a spirit of like making good. Like, you know, you know, yeah. what is success in your eyes? If it wasn't a success, like I understand that, like maybe we've done everything that was expected to us, but maybe we can do a little bit more or maybe we can at least provide feedback. So like, it doesn't go this way again. Um, 
And so, like, well, well I think this is the like, hard thing about an agency, right? Like, you 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 have like this this equal level of responsibility to both the people paying you and also the people getting paid, right? Like, like we definitely have that at the salon as well. Like, our customers are just as important as the therapists, and we have to put so much effort into both sides to keep everybody happy, make sure that they're all succeeding as well and they're getting what they want. So it must be must be the same for you, with probably like twenty x because the, the sums of money are so so much larger. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, definitely that is really tricky. Um, one of the ways we're combating that is that it's structurally. So, like, we're spinning up, like, we sp- spun up AFK Pros for the pro players. AFK Creators at the moment, like, still harbors, like, both sides of the marketing agency and the, and the influencer representation. So, like, mm-hmm. for us, like, one easy way is, like, separating the two brands. Um, but it's also about, like, the the people you work with. So I think when we first started out growing our agency, right, like you don't have your reputation. And so how you work with influencers who are like, you know, they talk more than businesses. That was like the most important thing. Like how are we seen in their eyes? Um, and how do we build a relationship with them where like they want to see, they want to see, be seen good in our eyes as well, right? Like we need to have a good relationship with those influencers as much as, um, they need to have a good relationship with us. Like that is kind yeah. of our ultimate goal where we're working together rather than, um, you know, them feeling like they're the stars and having the egos and that like we need them rather than they need us. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like where we've been moving towards. And that's been, that's been really good because it means that even if someone understands and we understand and we're very honest and transparent, like their value might be worth higher. Like if performance isn't that good, like you're going to get cut at the end of the month. Like we can make this a six to 12 month plus partnership. If you work with us and the brand to like make that possible. Um, and you know, like definitely the the greatest feeling is like when everyone like realizes these things. And then from then onwards, the nature of the relationships and how you view like people asking you to do stuff is so much different, right? It's like mutually beneficial from there on out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it is difficult, but that's the. I mean, I think that's what's great. I think what's great about yourselves is, um, you know, you're kind of a bit like a marketplace as well. If you would, yeah. if you'd agree with that, for sure, hundred um, percent. So you got like the the technology is at the core of your business, and then the human relationships is like secondary, I guess, but like equally as important. Um, for us, like there isn't really still a technology yet like we haven't built our kind of like marketplace like the people are the are like the marketers on the stores so um you know we're like if you can't maintain a relationship or we can't build one like our business doesn't exist so i like to think that you know if we when we're hiring people like they need to have that's like a core skill like if you can't manage those relationships you can't essentially do business in the space and it's been interesting to see because there's been a lot of people over the last few years that have built, I would say, technology first, agency second models. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely, and like when I was, you know, thinking in my room two years, two plus years ago, like how was I going to go about building a company? I had the same thought, like, oh, I need to be like a tech player in the space. Like that's how all mm. good startups grow. Um, and I'm glad I didn't pursue that model. Like I'm now bringing technology in my into my business through software. I mean, I'd love to build my own proprietary software, but um, I'm building, adding software to like bring the most out, most value out of what we already have, which I feel is like the better way of doing it than trying to build up value where human relationships is ultimately like the most important. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny, dude, if you look at most businesses in the world, actually, it's all about people at the end of the day. Right. But I think, I think that's the, I think it's very rare to have like a pure like tech tech play where it's, where it's adding value in, in that way. I mean, like a lot of people forget mm-hmm. that people think that startup means it's all about apps and software and technology, but I think it's really just about solving problems for people. Right. Oh, absolutely. It always comes down to people, right? Unless you're like, you know, unless the trees can start paying you. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> down to people, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, tell, I'd be interested to, to, not to spin it, but I'd be interested to hear like what you're doing at the moment with, with your ventures in, in Grand Stand and Le Salon. Like what are, what are the, the great things that you guys got going on? And also what's some of like, you know, the problems you're facing and solutions you're bringing to the table? yeah cool well so 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 as as for the grandstand one i think it's it's definitely still kind of like a hobby thing and i mean i i'm, I'm just interested to be to, honestly mate just doing things like this just just being like a, just getting a chance to like be a creator and interact with other creators and potentially support people in this kind of you know this generation of like podcasters i think is really interesting so so hopefully that could turn into something much bigger at, at le salon where most of the progress has been made i mean it's, that's been really exciting it's been like a to be honest it's been a proper whirlwind since since i joined the company in 2017 um and you know it's kind of it's it's grown pretty big we've we've done like thousands and thousands of treatments for people and i, I really like I've really enjoyed, you see, for me, look, I'm, I'm like the technical guy, right? I make the apps and stuff. But actually, the thing that's given me the most happiness doing the salon has been seeing how many customers and therapists are like linking up, doing bookings together, building those relationships, mm-hmm. seeing those like five-star reviews. I mean, that's literally like the best part. I've always wanted to have this kind of this kind of system where people are just like thousands of people are getting value from it. And that's kind of what I got. Um with the salon now the thing is the pandemic was was proper rubbish because um you know like we're a beauty business and beauty yeah. was like it was like a complete no-no like it was completely shut down and even when even when the easings happened and lockdown got lifted and stuff beauty was always kind of like on the back foot um you know actually sometimes quite unfairly so i think because there are a lot of situations where like hairdressing was allowed but then beauty was like left out so we did we spent a lot of time campaigning against that stuff throughout lockdown um but it really nipped the business in the bud which is frustrating because we were growing so well before that so actually mm. dude in two days time we're going to reopen lockdown lifts mm. next week we've we've already got like a record number of pre-bookings highest the highest ever in the history of the company and that's just like in the first week um so so it looks like the appetite's coming back but i guess just like you're waiting to see what's going to happen with gaming and stuff long term i think it's the same thing for like for, for at home beauty because I don't know. The, the world's changed, right? Like what? Like one of our core customers was, and, and, and is, hopefully still is, just very, very uh, successful people who have really busy lives in the city, and they don't have much time to just like go out of the office and go down to a salon or something like that. So, so a lot of time, our therapists would go to them, and with offices being closed and and, and less, much less stuff happening in the city centres, it does raise a question of like what's going to happen to to those kind of customers like maybe they don't all live in central london maybe they live outside and they commute in and we don't serve those areas yet so so there's going to be some interesting dynamics that we're going to learn oh, about for sure yeah it's going to be really interesting for you because like out in the country you got the big spas but equally like it could be easy for you to pick up those spas with therapy those therapists from those spas and then bring it to the home yeah so maybe you just disrupt like a new geography rather than like you know just the city clientele I also I mean, know that's like, a good idea. Yeah. The little I know from your industry as well is like 
you know, there's a lot of like international clients who like come into hotels, I imagine that mm. you're serving those people right before they go on their night out and whatnot. Um, yeah yeah those those i always thought those are like super cool like you'd have these like entrepreneurs you just like fly in they get like limoed to like a certain spot and then like you know we've made we've had some really interesting customers honestly but it's um it's it's, it's an amazing world i think like, yeah yeah, yeah. i mean kind I'm, of opened I'm, my eyes a lot yeah it's cool i mean i know a, li- a little bit about your industry and like it, it really is exciting um and it at the, at the end of the day as well like it breaks it all down to people right and like your app yeah. connects people and that's what's beautiful about it, right? Like someone needs something that there's someone else who can he can help provide it for them. Um yeah. just make yeah. that easier. I dude, I really think these kind of businesses are the most fun. Like it really and like like when there's when there's just a lot of people involved and you can literally see the faces and, and meet up with the people who who you're helping. Like you're improving their lives and you know like you're it is it is like sharing in the rewards. And prior prior to this I did like businesses which were much more like technical and I, I would have a lot less face time with people and it would be much more difficult for my for me to measure the impact of what I was mm. doing. And I I'm not sure if I could go back. Like now it's 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 really just so much more fun every day. It's um, interesting because like like I'm now thinking about like your relationship where the relationship you see, right? And you really see that like you see both sides. You see like B to C, but like the C is that significant scale. Um yeah. Whereas like where I sit in our agency, like we see B2C, but like our C actually is like the streaming. <laughs> and yeah. we don't, we don't see like sometimes, and it's very rare, but when we do see it, like I love it, is when we see B2C to C, mm. um, which is like when we see the audience of the streamers love a product so much that, you know, we just get like overwhelmingly like positive feedback and reviews. And like that is yeah. what's amazing because it always sparks like a much bigger partnership. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like we don't get to see that every day, but like I know exactly what you're talking about, and like that's it is like the joy, right, that you get out of your job. Um, yeah, man, and I feel like it's it's almost like you know, look, like we need we we do a lot of hard work, right, and you need like a positive feedback loop to stay motivated and and feel like you're you're doing the right thing and it's worth all the work that you're putting in. And I I can't think of many better feedback loops than just people telling you like i really like what you're doing this is so great for me i'm so glad that you made this happen like that, that's just the best feeling isn't it just like seeing that so seeing, yeah. so seeing happy customers is like the perfect validation i mean just the impact people right like i think that's the thing when you say like i'm thinking i don't know why i'm like this is probably like the same people that get flamed all the time but i'm thinking of like you know the tech developer who's just like only codes doesn't get to see any any like any impact on on the person who he's coding for like yeah. the banker who's just like transferring like sums and whatnot, like doesn't get to see like if he makes the customer money, like their reaction because he's not the wealth manager. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's like, they're the drainers run. Like they're great when you have good days, but if you have bad days, it's like, oh, why am I doing this? Um, so yeah, you got to love I, what you do. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was, I was actually in one of those positions for like a, for just over a year. So like, so one of the, one of the startups I did, it was, it was in online advertising. So it was, you know, so the, you know, the people were the products basically, and it was all about attention, like eyeball time, clicks, you know, like these kind of, they're very detached from real life. Right. And, um, and then, and then you're right. Like when it's, when, when things are going well, it's tolerable, but when you start having like a hard month and you're not getting the performance that you want and, you know, like, like the advertisers are starting to like pull out or they're going to look for like other techno- other technologies that do a better job. Like, mate, it gets, it gets really depressing, to be honest. And you kind of lose, I felt like I lost a bit of like my soul that year. Just not, yeah, honestly, like just, I, I started to feel like a robot rather than like a human being. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and, I know um, how you felt because it, it's exactly mm. how I felt in the in the first seven weeks of my oh, first seven yeah. weeks of that job. Like oh, you go into oh. an office, right, and like you just know from that point onwards, like you can help the people in the office and you can have a good laugh with them if you get on well. But any of the work you do just feels like meaningless. Um, you see, you probably did the smart thing and called it quits early. It took me a year to figure it out. <laughs> well, I was lucky, man. I had people around me who were just like, just quit, you know. And, and, <laughs> that, and not awesome. many people have that, right? Like a lot of people would say, like, oh, you can't quit, or you should stick it out for a year or two years yeah. or whatever it is, right? And that's the biggest mistake you can make, really. Well, yeah, because you know, time, right? Time is it's the most time important thing. I mean, you've got kids, so you know, you get some yeah, time. yeah, <laughs> for sure, man, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, what are your what are your plans before you go back to this big week? Then you're gonna this is Whoa. your like weekend of rest. Well, I think it was actually last weekend. The, the last couple of weekends, I took a lot of time off because I just knew this was coming. Um, it's, it's dude, it's already Wait. it's already been hectic. Yeah, last week was hectic. I, I felt really tired at the end yesterday. But um, look, I just hope it goes well. I, I just really, I, I just really want to see the industry recover, and um, I think that would just be like an amazing treat after so much time yeah. spent waiting and investing and stuff. Like, be great. So yeah, fingers crossed. I think for you guys as well, right? Like you're supporting like such hardworking people. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm important I want that the therapist to be them. working. Yeah, man, I really, I really want this all to rebound so they can, so they can get back to their good lives. True, true. Well, I mean, Abil, it's been fantastic catching up. And oh, mate, it's been it's been an honor and a privilege. Thanks, thanks so much for me being too, with me, mate. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I learned so stay much. In touch and um, I look forward to seeing some of these clips or podcasts if it ever gets uploaded. Well, I mean, I think I think this was pretty epic. I think I think there's some stuff that we've covered that a lot of people are going to really benefit from. So, look again, thank you, mate. Thanks for sharing your wisdom, and I love what you're doing. Keep it up. I can't wait to see AFK grow. Likewise, take it easy, man. You too, mate. Cool, that's it. As you can probably tell, I jumped on the opportunity to get all my random gaming questions out of my head to run by Matt, and I meant what I said in the interview about feeling so happy that video games has grown so much as an industry during my lifetime. I can't wait to see where they go next and to watch AFK play a major part in that. So, thanks for coming on the show, Matt. And to everybody listening, thanks for making it this far. For other episodes, check out embracetheadventure.tv, one word, for more episodes. And there'll be information up there too for getting in touch with me, learning more about our guests. And if you want to come on the show, there'll be a way to do that as well. All right, that's all for now. Catch you all next time.